0: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author and business coach, Leslie M. Her new book is Swagger, Unleash Everything You Are and Become What You Want. A renowned Fortune 100 business coach, Leslie M. shatters the myths around fake it till you make it and shows you how to record over all all the negative self-limiting tapes, and to stop giving away your personal power. You'll discover what blockers are holding you back and what drivers will bring your unique and powerful personality to the forefront for all to revel at. She's... uh is the new mindset that will bring you all of the success you've ever dreamed of without ever having to compromise or sacrifice who you really are. She's a speaker, author, and swagger coach who's been called better than therapy, a rock star, a force of nature, and even a witch and is a USA Today and WSJ best-selling author. Welcome to the show, Leslie. Nice to have you on. Hey, Catherine, thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Well, are you going to be able, how are you going to be able to do all of this for us? Because um, I can do it all. (laughs) You can do it all? Okay, that's great. And I know you've worked with all these Fortune 500 companies and you've turned their leadership and the people who work for them around. So tell us how that could, you know, how do we do it?
1: Well, I mean, you know, like anything in this, in this life, it takes work, takes some courage, but I think most importantly, you need to understand what's holding you back. Because I, Let me start by defining what swagger means to me, because I'm not talking about that, that arrogant, show-off, peacocky, in-your-face kind of thing that people usually associate with the word swagger. I've redefined it as the ability to manifest who you really are and hold on to it in the face of all of that psychological crap that's going to come forth, regardless of the situation or environment. So it means you show up with one face, one truth, one heart, no matter what's going on around you, no matter who you're with, and no matter what challenges you're facing. Um, so you can imagine that this requires a fair bit of courage because you have to step past all of those those tapes that are playing in your head that are telling you that you're not good enough, that who you are at your core isn't magical and special, that other people are somehow better than you, and that you don't really have what it takes to make the impression that you dream of making.
0: Leslie, so like, can we think. put? I mean, can we put this in a context? Like, let's put. You know, okay, we are. We're not going to take all the crap from everybody. They tell us we're not good enough. We can't do it. You shouldn't do it. Don't do it. Okay, put it in it. Well, you can put it in in a business context or with family or wherever. But so, what do we do when we we say we want to uh, go to graduate school and your family says no, you can't do that. Uh, it's you're not smart enough. You don't have enough money. Let's start with that.
1: Well, the, you don't have enough money is the practical part of the situation. So <laughs> you're going to have to figure out how to make that money if you want to go to graduate school. But I think what's what's uh, what's really important is to be able to filter out the voices that you have been hearing throughout your life. I mean, look, we all come into the world a swagger filled badass. You ask any kid, and they're going to tell you they're amazing, they're awesome, they're. They're beautiful. They can do anything. And then life comes for us. We hear voices from our family. Even if they love us very much, they can instill those self-limiting beliefs into us, telling us, you know, it's not really for you or or, "Don't, don't take that risk or, oh, we don't do that kind of stuff. And then we go to school and we're told that somehow we're different and we don't fit in, that we don't have the skills that we're dreaming of having. Our relationships will chip away at our sense of self, our first jobs, and so on and so forth. And, and before we know it, we wake up and we say, how, how did this happen? Who am I? How did I become like this? And so we have to think about when, when were those times when we believed in, in ourselves? Because, you know, swagger is much more about self-acceptance than it is about self-assuredness. That's going to come. But until you accept who you are based on your own opinion, your own assessment, not the, all of these crazy voices that you've heard throughout all of these years, because we are not our history. We are the stories that we tell ourselves. And if we keep accepting the opinions of others as our story, then we, we remain paralyzed, and we're waiting for the world to give us permission to go and, go and do the things that we want to do. So the question you've got to ask yourself is, Do I want this? Do I believe that I deserve it? And am am I ready to do the work that it's going to take? And that's all you need. And then you go find out for yourself. You don't don't need all of those voices telling you you can or you can't. The fact will be I tried to do it. I did everything that I could. I believed in myself because self-belief is so critical to this. And self-belief is very different than confidence. You know, self-belief is is believing that you can take that step off the cliff and you're not going to die. Yeah, you might have an adventure. Yeah, you might get a few bumps and bruises, but you're not going to die. So the journey to swagger really starts with that first step to say, I want this. I believe that I'm worthy of it. And I'm going to do everything that I can to to try.
0: Leslie, are you saying that you can do this on your own? Or, I mean, you're a coach, you're an executive coach, or do we need to get help depending on what stage we're at or when we realize we're losing our power. Because we may, you know, we may realize it early on or it may be, you know, later on. And so at what point can we, I mean, we read your book, we, we, you know, we have the formula for it and I want to go over the specifics, but do we need outside help?
1: I think it really depends on the kind of person that you are. If you're someone who does feel like they need that kind of support, there will be people in your life that you can go to. The people who are, I call them the swagger lovers, the people who have known you for a long time, and who you trust and who you've been able to show who you really are to, and they've accepted you and supported you and loved you. Those are the people who are going to be your biggest champions. And, and, and even if you, all you do is you go and say to them, I want to do something different. I want to take a risk. I want to try something new. They're going to have your back. They're going to hold your hand through that process. And, and they're going to help to sort of accord over a lot of those negative tapes. But at the end of the day, it's about you and yourself. You, you need to know what to do to be practical about it and how to take those steps because otherwise it's going to feel incredibly overwhelming. You know, the, the, the problem when we lose our swagger, it's not that we don't have it. It's that it's become trapped inside of us, blocked by all of these psychological mindsets. And when we try and release it into the world, it does get stuck and blocked. So we need to learn how to navigate and negotiate those blockers step by step. Because like anything, like going to the gym, you don't go into the gym and lift five hundred pounds. You go in and you lift a five pound, you know, bar, you know, like dumbbell and you go, Oh, look at me. I could do that. That's awesome. And then two weeks later you lift ten and then two weeks later you lift twenty. It's no different with breaking through these blockers and finding that it's working for you and you're getting the kind of positive feedback from the world that is going to help to give you that, that assurance that you're moving in the right direction.
0: Okay, so the telltale signs of swagger, what, else, what should be, we always be looking for, or always be on guard, I guess you would say? Um, what are they?
1: There, there are a lot of them. I think fundamentally, number one is that you are starting to speak your truth that you're not leaving situations, meetings, encounters saying, oh, I wish I had said that or I wish I had done that, that you're learning how to take those risks in the moment, even though your heart's pounding, even though you don't know what the outcome is going to be, and even if you're afraid of what that outcome might be, you do it anyway. Not big, giant, radical moves, just little ones, just those things that make you, you know, that, that, that help you to put your opinion forward or raise your hand or state your case. Speaking your truth is so key to this because that's tied up with who you really are. That's all we have in this world is our, our actions and our, our words. And if we don't learn to speak our truth, then we'll never have who we are be carried out into the world. So that's one of the first things is that if, you, if you're walking away from situations time and time again going, ugh, I wish I had just made that comment or said that thing out loud or challenged that that opinion or that mindset. Um, that is going to be number one, just speaking your truth. Um, also, that you stop behaving like a robot. You stop behaving solely in the ways that you think people want and expect you to behave based on all of the rules that have been set up in your environment, be it work, be it socially, and, and all the rest of it, and that... You're acting based on what you want to do as opposed to what you think other people want you to do. And that's incredibly hard because that's challenging convention. But that's part of of bringing who you really are out into the world because, you know, we yeah i do know what we're all looking for in this world is acceptance everybody just wants to be loved and accepted for who they really are but the problem is is that you're if you're behaving in ways that are designed to gain you acceptance then that acceptance that you get is not really legitimate because you are you are presenting that false front that persona of perfection that you think people want and so yes you may get the approval of many but you're not getting approved of for who you really are. And I don't know about you, but I personally would rather be loved and accepted by a few for who I really am than accepted by the world for who I'm not. Yeah.
0: What do you do? Because let's say you're, you know, you're you're doing pretty well. Um, You are pretty much getting what you want in a good way. Acceptance by by the people that you want to be accepted by. But what happens... um, when you lose your swagger, what, what, does, is, uh, what, I mean, there may be a crisis or what, what do you do and, and, and how do you handle that or a regression, we should say, maybe?
1: Yeah, I think once you start to tap into your swagger, you never really lose it. It's just a little bit of a setback. So, so what, what I, I suggest to people is that, first of all, it's okay to take a step back into a group and sort of protect your heart and your psyche a little bit. So you can take a step back and say, I need a little breather from, from this, this level of courage that I've been manifesting, and I'm just going to take myself away for a little bit. You can also, something that I find is super incredibly helpful is to reach out to people that you believe that you can help there's nothing better to remind you of just how much of a badass you are and how much you have to give when you help other people. So find someone who's less experienced than you or younger than you that you can mentor, that you can support in their own journey to swagger. Even if you feel like you don't have it firmly in place yourself, you certainly can be that, that supporter that other people need. Go and show Show off something that you know that you're incredibly good at. Find the thing that is your superpower that you have absolute confidence in and show that to the world for a little bit and let that fill you up um, for a moment or two so you can be reminded of just how powerful you really are. You know, like in anything, we, we need to have the right energy to fight the good fight. And when we, we feel like we're losing our energy... We need to either get replenished by the world or we need to replenish ourselves. And listen, to be perfectly honest, while I was writing the book on swagger, I mean, literally writing the book on swagger, I faced all kinds of challenges. My mom was became incredibly ill and ultimately passed away. And she was one of my greatest swagger supporters. And I felt like my swagger was gone in that process because that person that had been so fundamental to me was I was watching her wither away and then I lost her and I fell into a real, you know, a black hole, a real funk for myself. But the thing that that brought me back out of it was going to that, that place of I know how much I have to offer and I'm gonna I'm gonna get back to that just by offering it in little doses just based on how much energy I have right now because I'm so sad and I you know I need it to, to protect myself a little bit but slowly but surely I was able to reconnect with my swagger I didn't have to regain it I just had to reconnect with it and before I knew it it was back in the full flow hmm.
0: that's great advice and I think most of us or many of us at sometimes in our lives you have to face that kind of a situation and a lot of us just don't do what you did we sort of sink into the the depression the sadness the grief rather than you know looking for as you say looking for another avenue to, to to feel good about yourself and to feel good about what you're doing so i think that yeah that's really important one of the things and i think you talk about this in the book is about you know asking for help you know if you ask for help you you know you're weak you're you know it says something about you you can't do you know you're you're not independent all of those kinds of things but there you, you mentioned there are myths about asking for help. You know, is it okay to ask for help?
1: Oh, I'm telling you, asking for help is one of the magical secrets that nobody tells us. We have, you know, as you said, we have this belief that when we do reach out to, to other people, that it somehow is, is representative of, of a lack or a weakness in us. But what I've learned is that, first of all, when you ask other people for help, it makes them feel really good because it makes them feel like they have something magical and special that they can offer you and when you do that for other people they are so happy to do that for you because it reminds them of their own swagger so you actually create this lovely bond between the two of you they don't go Ugh, what are you asking me for they're like you want you want my help you think I have something great to offer that's awesome it also, it also creates connection between people, because when we are vulnerable and we speak our truth, people feel more comfortable going, oh, my God, me too. Yes, I need help with that too, or I don't always feel great at that too. And so I'm happy to help you. Also, when, when we're trying to be, be better for whatever it is, We need to reach out to the people around us who have more experience, who have more wisdom, who are smarter than us. And we we need to have the courage to say to them, hey, I want to be better. And I think you're amazing. Can I sit at your feet and gain some of your knowledge? Would you share that with me? And when you do that, to my earlier four people go, wow, sure, I would be more than happy to do that. And if you're really super duper smart, once they've done that, you turn around to everybody else and you tell them how you became smarter and better and wiser through the help of this amazing person. Because now not only... Are you validating the fact that you've moved further on in your journey, but you're celebrating this amazing human who helped you? And then everybody else wants to help you because they want to be celebrated in the same way. And I I think to, um, you know, Again, when I went through this this process of writing the book, I had to ask a lot of people for help. I had to ask for endorsements. I had to ask people to share their platforms with me. I had to do, you know, PR and all of that stuff. And I was blown away by the fundamental generosity of human beings. And I think we underestimate that, that we all know that we are interconnected in that need for help and support. And when we have the courage to ask each other, we become part of that fabric. And people know that they can come to us in the future and that we will, you know, pay that that generosity back or pay it forward.
0: What about, and and what about... Uh, this is another thing that you bring up in the book that I think a lot of people do. Um, I do the opposite, which I'm not sure is, is really the right thing to do either. You talk about five reasons or reasons to stop apologizing, apologizing for what you did or what you didn't do. I tend to be somebody, I'm not going to apologize, especially in a business situation, I'm not going to apologize at all. I, I'm not so sure that's so good either. So, uh, you know, either extreme. Let's talk about that.
1: I think you've got to, to pick it apart before you just sort of have that gut reaction to own somebody else's crap. Because when, when we allow other people to dictate our behavior or our, our apologies, it's like, you know, it's like going into the, the airport and picking up somebody else's baggage off the baggage carousel, dragging it home, and putting their dirty underwear on our heads. We would never do that, <laughs> but we we'll do that all the time with our apologies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because they're saying, "Own oh my crap, you know, oh, all, the, all the things that I am offended by, Own oh, my level of acceptance or tolerance or offense, and I want to take a step, a step back and go, wait a second, what was my intention here? If it was, if my, if if it was not my intention to hurt or insult or, or you know, or or be negative or whatever it was, but the other person uh, took it as such, I can clarify my intention. I don't have to apologize for it because, for example, if I'm if I'm in the space space of someone who's laughing we
0: never never say I apologize. We clarify our intentions. We explain it, but we don't say, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry." Never.
1: Yes. Uh, well, it depends. If I, have, if I believe based on understanding what someone is expecting me to apologize for, and I don't even like the expectation. An apology is a gift. It's not something that you should be expected to do. It's a choice that you make. So if I want to gift someone with an apology, I want it to be because I truly have trumped all over their values. That's when I will apologize, when I have have deeply offended their values inadvertently. But if someone is an intolerant human and I say something that bumps up against their level of intolerance and they take offense, well, I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm like, you know what? You do you, boo, and I'm going to do me, you know? And so I I will say my intention here was to help you to understand that there are other perspectives in the world. But I'm not going to apologize that you didn't like it. Because I'm owning your damage, and I'm not going to own anybody's damage except my own. I'm going to own my own damage, <laughs> but not for anybody else's. Also, if you're apologizing left, right, and center for everybody else's crap, it doesn't really count for much when you really do want to apologize, when it really is heartfelt and meaningful. Because you've just been giving away your power left, right, and center to anybody who comes looking for it. You know, brokering for an apology, as opposed to saying, you know, what I'm going to apologize when it really counts. So when I say it, people know just how sincere and genuine that apology is. It's a, it could be a power play. Can you give That's us an example? An can you give us
0: an example, like yeah, well, say give us a, an example of when you had to apologize and the stakes were high. But, uh, you know, kind of in a, high, I'm describing as a high stakes situation, like you felt like you needed to apologize to that person, like, you know.
1: I, when I, when I wanted to apologize, let me, let me think of something. Yeah. Um, Water, yeah. Oh, for example, if I, if I um, am aware of someone's pronouns and I misuse them, I forget, I apologize because I own that. You know, it's it's something that's very important to someone. If they've stated their pronouns, for example, as they, and I've referred to, to them as he or she in the moment, I go, oh, sorry about that, and I, I correct myself because I want them to know that I'm aware of the fact that that was my fault and that I should have been more on point with that. That's just a little example uh, of that. Um, if, for example, I'm in a conversation and I was uh, I was unaware of the fact that someone had just been through something very difficult. And I make light of a situation not knowing that they've just been through a similar very difficult thing. And then they, they state that they have been through this difficult thing. I say, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. I didn't realize. Not I'm so sorry that I said it necessarily, but I'm so sorry that my words triggered something in you that is bringing up pain for you, for example. Then I will, I will own it because I'm sorry for sort of a bigger picture. But if I'm in a meeting, for example, and I, and I speak up in a meeting and someone doesn't like it, I'm not going to say, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have said anything. No, I, I'm not going to do that. So those are the differences for me. Just your little examples.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good example. And I think it sort of brings me to the issue you mentioned being at a meeting and not apologizing for something you have no need to apologize or feel you should apologize for. Do you think women do that more? That we have a tendency to apologize either in that kind of a situation at a board meeting or in any other kind of situation, you know, family situation. That that kind of is the default in some ways. That yeah. we have to. That's why it's important for women to be
1: reading your book. A hundred percent. You know, we we as women, and I I, I admit it speak. In big generalities here, because I don't I don't really love the whole, you know, all women and all men, because I think that everyone is unique. But I think in, in many cases, societally, we women have been conditioned to take up less space, which is part of what apologizing is all about. You know, it, it's about retracting back into a smaller space. When you apologize, you go, oh, I'm sorry I took up that space. I'm sorry I caused offense. I'm sorry I caused conflict and and we do that in you know in the family we tend to be peacekeepers and we tend to want to just make everything nice and right and take away the rough edges and so on and so forth Um, we also have learned in business that that we it it, you know conflict doesn't always go well for us because we we are less less adept based on that that those societal work norms um, how to stand our ground and so we found it to be easier to just to step away from our ground, which is the, the first the first step in doing that is apologizing. I apologize for this ground that I'm going to step back. Um, so I, that's why I think stating your intention is so important because otherwise we get labeled. You know, we get those horrible labels. She's an aggressor. She's a biotch. She's a this. Yeah. She's a she's aggressive. She's all of that stuff. But if you very calmly state your intention, then People kind of go, they're taken aback because they can't can't argue with your intention. So now you're just very calmly saying, it was not my intention to create conflict here. It was my intention to highlight something that I think is impacting the team. Well, boy, that puts people in their place because you're saying, my intention here was not to serve just myself. It was to serve the greater good and the collective. So, so, hello, you person who's arguing with me, what's your intention here? Because it sounds like it's about you wanting to claim more space and wanting to make yourself look good. So, what's your intention here? So, I want people to own their intention. I think intention.
0: we need to do, Leslie, we only have a couple of minutes left, so I want you to give us some, uh, you know, websites and, uh, that we can go to to learn more about the book and about you. I think we need to take your book into the boardroom with us and refer to page whatever when this happens, because the way you, it sounds so <laughs> simple the way you say it and so practical I mean you know so I'm going to say easy to do and uh, obviously what we should be doing so anyway um, swagger is the title of the book and um, un- unleash everything you are and become what you want and I've been talking to the author Leslie M um, so website and or websites to go to
1: you can you can find me and what I do at lesliem.com it's L-E-S-L-I-E dot You can check out swaggerthebook.com or for sure. Come and play with me on Instagram at Leslie M speaks because I love having fun with everything. I don't take myself too seriously. Although I take the work that I do really seriously. So I like to, I like to have a lot of fun on social. So please do come and play with me.
0: Great. Great talking to you today. Great advice.
1: Thank you, Catherine.
0: Enjoy the rest of the book. Yeah, you too.